What up, world? To pass first point guard and Blazers reporter Mike Richmond, you're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the keys to improvement for the Blazers' two best young players. Anthony Simons and Nazir Little, what do they need to do to take the next step to be impact contributors? This is the number one thing uh, I have been asked about by by listeners, uh, besides the like trading Damon CJ stuff, but the sort of like number one player development type of type of category is is what kind of leap can we expect from Anthony Simons and Azir Little? What kind of role can we expect from them? You know, what, all these things. This is this is the, the sort of the number one thing on on a lot of fans' mind, and and rightly so. Like the Blazers' uh, path towards getting better, like the chance that they could sort of like well outperform our expectations, our collective expectations of them being like a a pretty good team. You know, one of the competitive playoff teams in the West is that one of these two dudes takes a big leap. Um, I'm sorry, don't have a ton of faith in sort of Cody Zeller and Tony Snell doing that. It's like veterans kind of are what they are, and it's it's the development of these young guys and and, and Nas are, are are young, you know, under 22. It's th- these are you know ready to take a big step forward or capable of taking a big step forward. So what I want to do in these first two segments is kind of break down where Ant and Nas have issues and where they can take steps forward. What are the keys for them to sort of improve their weaknesses or where are their parts of their game where we can expect them to take strides or hope that they take strides in order for them to be like major impact contributors. I think it's very likely that both of them have large roles, but the sort of size of the role and, and the Blazers' maybe larger sort of success as a team will depend on how much they can succeed in those roles. Uh, I think both of them are likely to get, you know, a, you know right away from day one, particularly Ant and, and, and Nas, I assume, a, a chance to show that they can help, but it's where they help and how they help that will kind of determine what, what their role is and what the team's like level of success is. So that's what we'll do in the first couple segments is break down Ant and Nas's game, and then we'll close the show. A little bit of Blazers joy, sharing a moment of joy from from a listener, a, a, a Blazers moment or a reason that the Blazers make them happy. And we'll talk a little bit about more than that, that recurring segment of Blazers joy once we get to that third and final segment. But let's start here with Anthony Simons, the Blazers guard entering his fourth season in the NBA. And I've already misspoke. I said he was under 22. 22 and under is what I meant. Uh, turned 22 in June. Happy birthday, Anthony Simons. What Ant was last season was an absolutely elite shooter, an elite shooter. His effective field goal percentage was, you know, among the highest in the league. His points per shot among the highest in the league. Like, the dude was just a bucket. But he was pretty limited in how he got those buckets. I think that is that is sort of the key here and the theme that we're going to address here in this first segment with Amberty Simons is just, like, not enough variety in his game. 70.3% of his shots were threes. That's the highest on the team. Uh, the sort of next, like the most like comparable number is it's 69.9% of Robert Covington's shots were threes. But Rocco and Ant are very, very, very different players. I mean, Robert Covington's a straight up four. He he basically never initiates offense with the ball in his hands. Less than 2% of his possessions last year were categorized by NBA.com as, as pick and rolls with him as the ball handler. About 35% of Ant's possessions were more than a third of his possessions. He's running pick and roll with the ball in his hands. And still 70% of his shots were threes, whereas Rocco is just like a straight up floor spacer. So 70% of his shots were threes. It makes sense for Rocco. It's more problematic for Ant. 
The big number for Simons here is, is attempts at the rim. According to NBA.com, 41 of his 401 field goal attempts were inside the restricted area. That is the, the 51st percentile in the league. That's the worst on the team of the regulars, the only players with sort of a worse uh, per- percentage of uh, shots attempted in the restricted area are, are Ronnie Hollis Jefferson and Kelgen Blevins. Uh, it's, these aren't regular contributors by any means. And it's not like Ant had this sort of like bad habit of taking long twos or taking, you know, uh, mid-range pull-ups. Like he, he, his shot diet is is actually pretty reasonable of, of sh- you know, shots into the paint, getting into the paint and shooting threes. He just, he just shot a super high percentage of threes and he just had a really limited number of field goal attempts at the rim. Uh, it wasn't like he could cut out long twos and turn them into threes. He's already done that. It's just that he, he needs to, he needs to have he just needs to attempt more shots at the rim this is a this is sort of a just a shot diet issue with him he's he's got to take more shots around the basket he's too good of an athlete you you know he's a freaking slam dunk contest champion he needs to get to the rim and use that athleticism but he's also like an elite shooter so you don't want him to shoot less necessarily he was in the 99th percentile as a spot up shooter He's he's just really freaking good at it. So while you know I'm I'm critical of the shot diet, I don't want it to get lost that I don't I don't think Ant is really is like really really good at it. I think he's just he's he's the three point thing. He's he's right now he's a standstill shooter. Like he's just he's just an elite spot. If he spots up and gets gets a chance to catch and shoot, he's really really good. It's just when he gets down, when he gets the ball in his hands, which he's, you know, using, you know, more than a third of his possessions or he's the pick and roll ball handler. It's that sort of ability to do other things. Uh, he doesn't, you know, he he takes a handful of, of pull up threes like he's not afraid to shoot, you know, sidestep threes off the dribble to sort of like um, you know, elite type of outside shooting off the bounce that stars possess. It's just everything else off the bounce he doesn't really have and what he really doesn't have and what holds the blazers back a little bit is that playmaking ability according to cleaningtheglass.com it's only 10.8 percent assist percentage last year that's the percentage of teammates made shots that simon's assisted when he was on the court that's in the 13th percentile that's really low and he's in the 11th percentile in assist to usage ratio so that's how often did he get assists compared to how much he had the ball in his hands he just doesn't set guys up very often that lack of playmaking is an issue because the Blazers just don't have a lot of playmakers Uh, if you did not listen to yesterday's show I suggest you go back and listen to it Uh, it's waiting your feed right before this one and it's I just discussed sort of the Blazers have this really great starting lineup but but there is once Dame is off the court they really just don't have any combination of players that allows for them to have much playmaking ability if Ant could take a step there you know, if, if instead of in the, whatever, 13th percentile and assist percentage, if he was something like, you know, middle of the pack in the league, the Blazers would take a massive step. Like, that would be a huge, huge, huge increase in playmaking for Mance. It's probably unfair to ask him to take that big of a leap. But that's what we're talking about. It's like him developing, like, true, you know, he's a combo guard. But the, um, the combo he has right now is make three-pointers or do nothing else. In fact... 200 of his 358 non-garbage field goals were above the break threes. He's not even shooting from the corners. That's something Chauncey Billups wants to address. It's something I think they can fix with a little bit of coaching. But 
Ant's shot diet is above the break, deep threes. Deep three, no, threes from the wing. The foul line extended. That's where he's taken his shots. He was only fouled on 5.3% of his attempts. So here's, here's just to sort of, I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you, but here's to recap. A massive, a massive percent of his shots are catch and shoot threes. A massive percent of his shots are three-pointers in general. He does not set up his teammates particularly well. He does not attempt many shots in the paint. And when he does have the ball in his hands for that, you know, a, about a third of his, his chances with the ball are pick and rolls, he, he sets up his teammates for baskets a very low percentage of the time. Some of that is just playing with Anthony, or he is Anthony Simons, playing with CJ McCollum and Carmelo Anthony and Ennis Cantor. They're not exactly like high assist type of guys. You throw the ball into Carmelo, he's going to take his time and you're not going to get an assist. So some of it is, is certainly personnel but a shooter a a shooter only who doesn't get fouled very often 5.3 percent of his field goal attempts 30th percentile in the league uh worst percentage season in terms of foul drawing frequency than he's had in his career like he got he's been worse at it you want him to get better and doesn't set up his teammates doesn't draw fouls he's just he just He's an elite shooter, a great skill, but he, but the sort of you want to add on more layers to that, and that's where Simons hasn't hasn't really progressed. The the obvious thing, like I mentioned, is is the playmaking, right? Is like the Blazers desperately need another playmaker. They didn't add another point guard for whatever reason. They added Ben McLemore. Um, it's they don't, you know, they needed. They probably needed another guy who could handle and set guys up as like a um, as a solution off the bench, or at least an option off the bench in terms of uh, like skill versatility. And I think that's like kind of the big thing here with this team. Uh, Ant doesn't provide that, but if he could, that's that's where he really helps. But for my money, there's actually another sort of like easier path to Simon's being more helpful that I think is like more realistic than him taking a massive leap as a playmaker. That's a big one. If he does that, it's a game changer, right? It, it raises the Blazers ceiling a lot, but I don't think it's that likely. You know, guys just taking that playmaking leap is, is just pretty rare. Unless they're, unless they're coached by Tom Thibodeau and they're Julius Randle, but, or the many other backup point guards that Tom Thibodeau has, has magically turned into, uh, into really good point guards. Shout out to Chris Duhon, sort of. But for Simons, one of the big ones for me is that only 11% of his shots at the rim were assisted. That's the 94th percentile. That's, that's really, he's, he's very rare. That is, that is a very, very low number. Just 11% of his shots at the rim are assisted. That's not necessarily a bad thing because getting to the rim off your dribble is good. Like when, when Ant does attack and he does get into the paint, he's doing it on his own. That's the quality of a star being able to dribble towards the rim and score. Like that's, that's what you want to see. But for my money, the lack of cutting, the lack of off-ball movement to use that athleticism to get into space and get into the rim is what's holding Ant back from being a little more valuable and adding a little more versatility to this team. It's not that I think he can get better at getting downhill. I think he can, you know, I think adding strength will allow him to be a better finisher. Like, I think strength is a big thing holding Ant back. And I think, you know, the, the difference between it being a 20-year-old and a 22-year-old, he, you, you know, you can just fill out your frame like that that's possible and that's like a thing you can control in the offseason you can get you can get a lot stronger it happened with Damian Lillard he became he just got his core got a lot stronger and he's been much better as a finisher later in his career uh you know Ant has a long way to go Dame was basically Ant's age when he came to the league and Ant's in year four yada 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 but but the cutting, the lack of cutting. In fact, according to NBA.com's database, Anthony Simons does not even qualify to have 15 possessions that were called, that were cuts that he finished last year. 
He just is a standstill, spot-up shooter. So for my money, becoming a better and smarter cutter would be an easier path to being a better offensive player than the playmaking stuff. I think Anthony Simons can use his athleticism to be a, a smart and like just really tough mover off the ball. And that will be the thing that sets him apart. The playmaking stuff is the obvious super big headline, but I think it's maybe too much to ask. The ability to move off the ball, to be a movement a movement shooter, to re- be able to relocate and do all those things, but also just cut to the rim, cut into space, to be able to play off the ball and be a dynamic threat that isn't just a spot-up shooter. I don't want to cut out the spot-up shooting diet. Elite, elite spot-up shooter. I want... I, I just want to see a more variety, a little add a little variety to the offensive game. And while I think the sort of, if he were to morph into an elite point guard type of player, that would be the thing that changes the Blazers' season, I think that's too much to ask. So a simple thing where Ant can get better. Use his speed, use his hops, cut. Be a, become a better cutter off the ball. And I think that's a thing that... Um, Terry Stotts' offense maybe didn't um, it didn't encourage as much from those spots. And I think maybe with a new coaching staff, we can see smarter and better cutting. And I think that, if you're looking for a simple way for Ant to get to take a big step, I think becoming a better and smarter cutter is a really is, is a big one for me, is maybe the biggest and simplest one for me. All right, let's come back in the second segment and talk about Nazir Little. We got another young guy who's, who could take a big step and be a game changer for the Blazers. We'll talk about Nas in the second segment. But first, let's talk about Sweat Block. Sweat Block is your solution if you are someone who sweats a lot. If you are a heavy perspirer, if you if you are someone who gets you know wet shirts and has to worry about what you wear because uh, perspiration is just a, a reality in your life, Sweat Block Wipes will provide you with that secret little bit of confidence that you need. So here's how it works. Before you go to bed, take the sweat block wipe, wipe it on, then wake up, go about your day like you normally would. Take a shower, put on whatever clothes you want to wear and live your life because these things will work up to seven days per single use and they'll give you the dry shirt guarantee. The sweat block doesn't keep you dry. You get your money back. So there's no risk. Check it out. See if it works for you. Find that little bit of confidence. Don't let perspiration be the thing that ruins your day. Go to sweatblock.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off. This product's also available at Amazon CVS. So if you want to check it out in person, head to those two places. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, just trying to make it through the day tension-free. Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. Plus, it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. So whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out or an injury or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. That OLED screen and design makes you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check out that futuristic thing. Plus, the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun is trusted by 50 professional sports teams, plenty of elite athletes, and hundreds of thousands of real customers. So 
go check it out. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on, therabody.com slash locked on. All right. So we talked about the growth of Anthony Simons. While the playmaking would be a plus, I think being a better off-ball cutter, finding a way to to use that athleticism as an off-ball threat. That gravity that he's going to bring as a shooter is always going to be there. He's an elite spot-up shooter, but adding a little, uh, changing up his sort of diet of attacks, even when he's off the ball, could be a, could be a true game changer. And the Blazers are are a bad cutting team, and having their having their best athletes like Derek Jones Jr. and Anthony Simons, Norman Powell, be smarter cutters playing off of their, you know, elite guys who are going to have the ball in their hands a bunch, Damon CJ, that changes the game. You know who's another elite athlete who could help change the game? That's the, who we're talking about in the second segment, Nazir Little. The Blazers' third-year wing forward, you know, positionless six-six athlete has a chance to take a major step this year. You know, he didn't get the opportunity in year two that you thought he might. He kind of late in the season looked like he was going to carve out a role and then Terry Stotts gave up on him and and rolled with just uh, another another different group, even though it looked like Nas had maybe um, earned a chance to have a, more minutes late down the season. But that's that's not, that's old beef, neither here nor there, really. The big difference that sort of Nas is going to make, the big swing skill for him is shooting, right? Like this is, this is the, the big... This is what's going to allow him to be special. As a rookie, he shot 28.3% from three. As a second-year player, he shot 34.6% from three. So if you're doing the math, that means he's going to shoot 41% from three this year because we all know that growth and development is a perfect linear graph. That's just how it works. No, I think, you know, I think... um, Nas, the the shooting thing really matters, and and reportedly, uh, according to Jason Quick of the Athletic, he's even said this very, you know, told this story on this very podcast. Like during the during the hiatus after the league shut down um, in in March of 2020, and before the bubble started back up in Disney, Nas was in the gym getting shots up. Like he was just he just got after it, and he was he was you know determined to uh, you know become an NBA level shooter. It didn't really work out for him. He had a you know in the bubble he had a weird situation where he, he um, you know, fainted due to dehydration and then got concussed. And then it was just, um, you know, took a hard fall and it was all, all bad news, right? Like it just never got, never got untracked in, 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 um, in, uh, in Disney. But he did show some signs in year two after that strange end to year one that, that he can be a, a, a really a solid shooter. And if he could be a solid shooter, it opens up so much of his game. Nas, like I said, shot 34.6% from three overall as in year two. And that's slightly below league average. League average was, it was like a tick above 37%, but on catch and shoot threes shot 37.5% and 94% of his makes were assisted three pointers. Like 94% of his made threes were assisted threes. He's not creating jumpers like he doesn't the way that uh, that Amphrey Simons has that kind of you know off the dribble using pick and rolls sidestep into a shot like he kind of has that special shot creation you want to see him get downhill more and you know get into the paint and kind of change up all of his um you know change up not all of his game change up one specific part of his game where he just needs to attack 
something like 7% more of his possessions. Like Nas doesn't really do that from three. He's a standstill guy and he's an assist guy from three. Like he's going to shoot mostly assisted three pointers, but 38% on catch and shoot threes is a big deal. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't create, he's not going to create his own shot from deep. Uh, when we're talking about shot creation from Nazir, it's not pull up threes. It's not, that's, that's kind of a skill of like a different type of player, a different archetype. What Nas can be is a catch and shoot guy and a slasher. And the slashing is what I want to focus on here in the second segment. Per 36 minutes last season, according to NBA.com, Nazir Little att- uh, drove 3.6 times per game. For reference sake, Damian Lillard led the team with over 13 drives a game. I don't need to see Nas drive like Dame. He doesn't, you don't want the ball in his hands that much. Like he's not the decision-making and all the skills that Dame has. Like you don't want to just give the ball to Nas. That's not the trick here, right? But more drives, more drives, something like five and a half per 36. He's not going to play 36 minutes a night. So I'm not even talking about like number of drives per game. We're talking like two, two. You know, like he gets the ball twice in two situations. He puts the ball on the floor and goes towards the rim. So a lot like Amphrey Simons were sort of like the swing skills, his playmaking and his ability to get downhill. And, and you want to see those two things. But I think there's like an, an easier path forward. I, I think there's the same thing with it's not an easier path forward, but it might be like a, a sort of an unorthodox take is my sort of path forward for Nazir Little. The shooting is big. Like if he becomes a 40 percent three point shooter, it changes the game. It totally changes the calculation for what Nas can be. But for me, if there were to sort of one skill to make him better, it would be tightening up his handle. And that's the drives that drives per game type of thing. He's a really good finisher in the paint. In fact, according to Basketball Index, Nas is among the better players in the league finishing the paint. 80th percentile at finishing around the rim. Like when he gets there, he finishes. He's strong. Like he's, he's a leaper. He uses in a way that Amphrey Simons doesn't. He uses his strength around the rim to be special. Uh, we've seen him even pull out a couple floaters. They're all right-handed floaters, but that's fine for now. Like he's got, he's got a little bit of, um, he's got some touch and he's, he's got both finesse and power around the rim. Like he can get there or he can finish there. He just can't get himself there. And that's the problem. Like the thing I want to see Nas to sort of take that next step, the shooting thing is the big one. That's the swing skill, but tightening up his handle just a little bit so he can get himself into those shots. That's a big ask. Like, like self-creation, creating your own offense is maybe the most valuable skill in the league because I believe offense is significantly more valuable than defense the way the NBA works now and being able to create on your own is your own shots is kind of like the mark of stars. So I'm, I'm kind of saying Nazir Little turn into a star. Like I, I, I recognize that. And that, that might be a big ask. That might be as large of an ask as saying Anthony Simons turn into a point guard. But what I, but what I would just like to see is, is Nas to have a simple, explosive one move and one counter. So if when he, you know, uses speed, uses ability to attack, use that strength to get to his right hand. And when the defense comes, one go-to counter, whether that's, um, you know, a step through in a Euro step, whether that's a little spin, like half spin that we've seen from him, like one of those moves he can sort of consistently go to, to get himself deeper into the paint to score. Because like I said, when he gets there, he's a pretty good finisher. To me, that's, that's, one of that's maybe the thing I would choose if I had to sort of say what skill is going to be most important for Nas. The other thing here for Nas is that he has potential to be a good defender, but he has not been that in the league. 
Like, he just has not been that. In fact, according to cleaningtheglass.com, Little was much more of a positive impact on offense than he was on defense. That has plenty to do with his teammates, you know, coming in with the second unit and playing, you know, most of your minutes next to Anthony Simons and Carmelo Anthony and Ennis Cantor and CJ McCollum. Like, that's, that is not ideal um, that for, like, sort of a good defensive ecosystem. But, like, the on-off numbers suggest that Nas was beneficial as a substitute to, to help the offense and a slight negative coming in to help the defense these again these numbers are per clean glass so for me and I'm, I'm not exactly sure what I'm prescribing here but he needs to turn sort of his defensive potential into defensive production like that's going to be a key for him the the Blazers have there's a little bit of a crowd like I think Simons has a clear path to play right it's gonna be Dame CJ Norm Ant those are that's your four guard rotation Norm plays a bunch of those minutes starting at small forward he's probably going to play a little bit of backup small forward as well so you know Ant is there maybe even as the third guard as the way as the way the rotation works but who who plays those other forward spots is is a is somewhat up in the air it's tony snell a veteran they signed it's Derek jones jr a veteran who's back or it's nas i think you give nas a chance early because he has a little more room to grow and he's got a little more to his game and and all and um then the other two like Tony Snell, a dependable, incredible standstill knockdown shooter. If you need that, you go get him. Uh, Derek Jones, like a, a good, uh, maybe a decent point of attack defender against guards, uh, has some good, some decent cutting ability. Uh, not much of a shooter, but but can add you know add length and and, and a jolt of athleticism. Uh, Nazir Little is somewhere between those two, right? Like he's a better shooter than Derek Jones Jr. right now. He already is, and he can and he there's a path for him to be much better. And he's he's potentially that same sort of jolt of athleticism that that Derek Jones provides. So while Snell's always going to be a better shooter, you kind of could get the best of both worlds if Nas becomes what he is. But part of like best of both worlds is Nas turning his defensive potential with long arms and strength and athleticism into defensive production. When I watched him play a bunch last year, he just didn't, he didn't know, it wasn't always um, clear that he knew where to be and what they were going to do. And some of that is just like, are we going to switch this pick and roll or are we going to show and recover? Are we going to, you know, are, are we going to hand off, you know, if they, if they run a dribble handoff, am I going to stay with the ball or I'm going to stay with the big, um, or if we, if we're switching off the ball, how, how far do you want me to come over and help? If I come too far, am I going to leave a shooter open? Like just, just kind of, just kind of basketball defensive IQ stuff that I think is um, a guy who just hasn't played a ton of NBA minutes. It's hard to learn that. It's hard to drill that. Like he needed, that's why you wanted to see him play more last year because just like get him some more NBA seasoning. So to recap, here's my path forward for Nazir Little. Tighten up your handle. Have have one go-to move and one counter. Eventually they'll take that away, but you can start off the season. One go-to move, one counter. Get yourself into the paint more often. You get yourself into the paint more often. You get to the free throw line more often. You've proven to be a pretty good finisher around the rim. You've proven to have that little right-handed floater. Uh, I'll make fun of you for not having a left hand later on in the season, but for now, one one dribble move, one counter. Tighten up that handle just enough to use your have that be functional athleticism. Uh, much like Ant, that functional athleticism. And then on the defensive end, just just if if whether those mental reps can happen from watching film and tightening up in the summer, or if you can just get there in the season because you've you know you spent enough time around the league that you're starting to get the the 
the verbiage and the and and the system and the language and 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 whether maybe Chauncey Billups's approach like uh, is is more effective for t- sort of teaching teaching you what you need to do like become an impactful defender turn your defensive potential into defensive impact if Nas shows up with a slightly tighter handle and and better decision making defensively he's an impact player he's a positive impact player and then you've got two young guys that can help raise raise the potential of this team a great deal those are my keys for ant and nas i think those are the two biggest swing players on the roster the two biggest question marks you kind of know what you're going to get with everyone else uh and and i think that's kind of why maybe there's some lukewarm feelings about this team but if ant and and nas take a take big steps either one of them or or you know better for the blazers both then you're drastically raising the ceiling of what this team can be because both of them have real holes in their game. And I think we've kind of covered of like where they can go to get better. What I want to do in the third segment is close out the show, sharing a little bit of Blazers joy. Uh, it's a segment we've been doing in the, uh, on Fridays during the off season, sharing a moment of, of Blazers joy from listeners of the show. I asked uh, folks to send me sort of a reason they fell in love with the team or why the team brings them joy or, or just a, a happiness around basketball. So, I will share listener Mac sent me a, a Blazers feel good story. So I'm going to share that with you to close out the show in the third segment. But first let's talk about built bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Look, the flavors are great. They got, they got so many delicious flavors. I hit you with them all the time. I'll hit you with some now too. Double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies, and cream. Listen, this is the best tasting protein bar ever. I don't, there's, there's no doubt in my mind. It's got that candy bar-like texture covering 100% chocolate. But really what makes Built Bar so special is not just that it's the best tasting protein bar ever. It's that they're healthy too. The macros, y'all. I'm telling you. 17 to 18 grams of protein in every single bar. Calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 or 5 grams of sugar, and no more than 5 grams of net carbs. You're just not going to find protein bars that pack a punch like this. The deliciousness will hook you. You'll eat one of these and you'll say, this is great. And then you'll start to read the label, like the nutrition facts. You'll read for these macros. You'll say, 17 grams of protein. These other bars I have have 8. 140 calories. These other bars I have have 210. Like, you're you're just not going to beat it. You're not going to beat it. So don't try to beat it. Go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. Get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. It's that time of year again, y'all. It's about to be football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot to bet on all things pro and college football. Updated odds, props, and contests, including the half a million dollar NFL Mega Contest and the 200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open right now on betonline.ag. So head on over to that website and sign up today to receive a 100% welcome bonus. That's right, a 100% welcome bonus when you are making your first deposit. Use the promo code Locked On. They will match you dollar for dollar on that very first deposit. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football, basketball, boxing, horse racing, whatever it is. Take advantage of this. 
get on that great offer that we're giving you right now. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked on Blazers. We talked about the potential for growth from Anthony Simons and Nazir Little. But now, let's talk about a moment of Blazers joy. I've been asking listeners all offseason to send me a reason that the that they love this game, a reason for joy around this team or the NBA or or why they're hooked, why they fell in love, or a moment that they can look back on and why this team brings them joy. Many of you have sent me your stories, and today's story comes from listener Mac, who says that uh, because of a demanding schedule as a high school student and athlete that the podcast is is sort of most of the way that that Mac's able to follow the team but Mac is a longtime basketball fiend and offers this this story and I'll quote it here when I was in the third grade I had a best friend this friend moved away to California and I wasn't able to get in contact with him for a few years I was able to find his contact info after digging for a while, and I reached out to him, and we talked about one main passion we both have, Trailblazers basketball. We lived far away from each other and hadn't seen each other in person for over six years, yet we texted almost daily about our Trailblazers ideas and fandom, and although we certainly disagree a lot about a lot of things, it's always nice to text him. Three weeks ago, we met up in person for the first time in nearly six years. We did what we always did. We played pickup basketball at Wallace Park, and we talked about the Blazers. It was amazing, to be frank. Without our connection and undying loyalty to the Blazers, I don't know if, we'd st- if I'd still be talking to him. I shared your podcast with him, and he's an avid fan like me. I've been through the highs and lows of Blazers basketball, and it's not just the su- success of the team that makes me happy. I'm thrilled to just watch something and truly care and enjoy it. Without this team, I'd most likely not talk to this friend at all or have something to look forward to after long days. So thanks to your podcast for keeping me updated and keeping me connected to the team. Not just connected to the team, Mac. Connected to an old friend. There is nothing like a uh, a sports pal. Um I am, as you might have guessed, a lot of my friends' sports pal. I'm a sports nerd. I love it. I love it. Uh, And I have a lot of these types of relationships where we can go long periods of time where me and a certain friend will only sort of connect by this. But when you get back together, because you have this shared experience, it becomes, it makes everything easier. It is the doorway to creating and sort of, and and continuing lasting relationships. Uh, I love the the fact that you went to Wallace Park. Um, It's, it is a classic blazer. uh, For those of you who don't live in Portland, Wallace Park is located in Northwest Portland. And it is, it is made classic by being the place where Bill Walton used to play pickup. Walton lived in several, three or four different houses in that neighborhood and would uh, go play with his dogs there and play Frisbee and play basketball. Uh, Play pickup in the seventies with Portlanders. I bet he uh, whooped their ass. Uh, And, and on, uh, on the championship parade day, the 1977 championship parade, uh, Bill Walton wore a Wallace Park t-shirt. He's, he's pictured in the, uh, in the, uh, 
the photos in, in the Oregonian firm is mostly what I'm familiar with of wearing a Wallace Park t-shirt. So uh, a truly classic Portland Park. But I think I think more than anything, Mac, and I think this is sort of uh, the moment of why I wanted to highlight this as the moment of Blazers joy is that these connections you make following even even bad teams, like even like, you know, even the struggle times of, of Trailblazers basketball when it's like, man, this team stinks. Like these, the, these are the, the sort of the going through it, the highs and the lows with a friend is, is a really uniting force. And in fact, the thing that I'm probably most proud of with this community or with this podcast is creating this community, creating a space where people can connect. Um, it's not all the games are out of my control. The, the, you know, Damien Lord's happiness and his future with the franchise is out of my control. But what I can do is try to offer sort of, you know, regular, thoughtful analysis and, and consideration of this team that I hope allows you to think about something you love and then share that thing with those who are close to you or those who you would like to make closer to you because you share this common interest. So Mac, I hope this friend of yours, first of all, I hope you beat him and pick up basketball. If you're on the same team, I hope you pass to him a lot. I hope you share the rock. Pass first point guard and all. But I hope you stay connected because this next Blazer season might be a little bit rocky and there is nothing better than sharing a rocky fandom with someone who's delighted to go over the rocks with you. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. If you have a Blazers moment of joy, it doesn't have to be this. It can be anything. Why this team? Why this team brings you joy? Why you love this team? Why you? You know why you fell in love, or why they continue to bring you joy, or or sort of what what Trailblazers basketball does for you to to have your moments of joy. Share it with me. LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. Also, tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get it wherever they already listen to podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. It'll be there waiting for you. In fact, you might rekindle a long-lost relationship like Mac by sharing your love for the Blazers via this podcast. It's possible. All right. Enough plugs. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.